0: With almost every solid free agent starting pitcher off the board already this offseason, it feels like the Orioles are going to have to turn to trades to upgrade their starting rotation. So today, we start a series looking into which guys on other teams could be available and how the Orioles could go get them. Today, we look at the Seattle Mariners, Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen. One of them isn't going to make the Mariners' rotation. Could that one end up in the Orioles rotation. We talk about how he, either Flexner or Gonzalez, could get to Baltimore. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast.
1: You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, December 19th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we start our Orioles trade target series. We're going to be talking throughout the next few weeks of the off season, looking at players on other teams, specifically starting pitchers who the Orioles could acquire this offseason. Because let's be honest, as I record here on Sunday afternoon, Nathan Eovaldi, really the only free agent starting pitcher left out there that feels worth it for the Orioles to sign that could sit at the top of the rotation. Everybody else, you know, I know they've been connected to Michael Waka and Rich Hill over the past week, but they don't really do it for me, especially after they've already signed Kyle Gibson. They need more of a top line guy. And so it's probably going to have to come via trade. Now, Mike Elias has talked about the Orioles are ready to make a trade. They certainly have the prospects and a top five system in baseball to do it. Now it's just about finding the right suitor and finding the right pitcher that is available via trade. So today, let's start with the Seattle Mariners. Because kind of the first rumors you heard this offseason about teams dealing starting pitching were the Mariners. It seemed like they were going to have an overload. They were going to go after free agent starting pitching. And two guys at the back end of their rotation, the veteran lefty Marco Gonzalez and the right-hander Chris Flexen, well, it looked like both of those guys might be available. Now, Gonzalez was coming off a little bit of a rough season. Flexen was solid in 2022, but never stayed in the rotation all year. Kind of flipped between their five-starter and then kind of the swingman relief role, but did still get some outs. Now, neither guy is a giant strikeout pitcher. Neither guy is an ace. But both guys, I think, would help the Orioles pitching staff if they acquired them. So we're going to talk to Ty Dane Gonzalez. He is the host of Locked On Mariners here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Little Mariners-Orioles crossover for the first time here on this pod. We'll talk about Gonzalez, what the O's would need to do to get him. We'll talk about Flexen, what the O's would need to do to get him, the differences in their contracts, the differences in potentially the deals, and why the Orioles might have to part with a guy like Ramon Arias to get that deal done. But that's all coming up right now with Ty Dane Gonzalez of Locked On Mariners. All right, so we welcome Ty Dane Gonzalez into the podcast. He is the host of Locked On Mariners here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And Ty, first of all, thank you so much for uh, coming on the pod. First First Mariners-Orioles-Locked On crossover going on here.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, long time coming, I guess. uh, it's, uh should be fun. These yeah, two teams, teams are in a very similar spots right now.
0: Yeah, a couple of teams that, that battled for a, a playoff spot last year. Of course, Seattle finally getting in, snapping the drought. Uh, the Orioles close, but not quite. And two teams whose fan bases, I think, are, are definitely disappointed, I would say, to different levels so far this offseason. Uh, Seattle's done a little bit more to add to their team than Baltimore has to this point, but to varying degrees. And so maybe, just maybe, a trade between these two sides could be a way that They could each improve going in 2023. So the reason we're kind of talking about this is because the Mariners seem to at least have a surplus of kind of back-end starting pitching that it was reported very early in the offseason that they may at least be listening to offers on. So first, to kind of set the stage, you know, the two guys seem to be Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen. What, at least from the Seattle perspective, is the level of, are they being shopped? Are they listening to offers kind of where do you see the viability of a trade happening this off season?
1: I think at the start of the off season, maybe it was true that they were being shopped or at least Chris Flexen was being shopped. It kind of seemed like there was a, a time where that felt more imminent than it does now, but We've seen the way that this starting pitching market has developed, uh, particularly in free agency, and just some of the ridiculous numbers that are being thrown out for guys that are quite frankly, you know, low end number three, number four type starters, guys that are making 17, 18 million dollars a year. And then, you know, I, I think it became clear to them because they really had interest in Kodai Senga at the start of the uh, at the at start of all of this, at the start of the offseason, Jerry DiPoto outright said, we really like Senga. We're going to be in touch with him and his camp. Uh, but the more clear that it became that Senga wanted a bigger market and by the looks of his contract just clearly wanted to be a New York Met, I think the Mariners have possibly taken a step back here and gone, you know what, we have four above average starters and Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert and George Kirby and Luis Castillo and Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen, at the very least, are solid number fives to pair with those other four guys. And, you know, last year, they had remarkable health in the rotation as well that's unlikely to continue this next season. So having that depth is unique. And you look at, the, you know, again, the rest of the market and what some of these guys are making, Chris Flexon for $8 million, Marco Gonzalez for $6.5 million. Those are bargains right now, even with both of those guys coming, kind of coming off of down years.
0: So as Seattle hasn't really made the splash in free agency, what it sounds like is that it might be a little tougher to get, either of these guys from the mariners mm-hmm. at least at this point so do you think there's still a a chance at least one of them is dealt and you think what the mariners are asking for if there are trade talks is is different at this point you know 2 months later
1: yeah so i, I that's really the question right for me personally i think they have taken a step back like i said from the starting pitching market after they didn't land Senga and just looking at some of the other contracts that guys are signing, I mean, maybe they still look at someone like a Nathan Avaldi, or they go on the trade market. Maybe someone like JT brew is, uh, is available that they would be interested in and think that they can get more out of than say someone like Pittsburgh. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I think, you know, they're looking at this market and they're going, well, why do we need to go upgrade? You know, is that actually worth the money? Is the extra win, win and a half, two wins that we're adding with that pitcher actually worth the cost of of acquisition? Or does it benefit us to just have these guys around and and figure it out, at least in spring training? Because here's the thing. The, the Mariners under Scott Service and Jerry DiPoto have always preferred to have an eight man bullpen. And I don't think that they necessarily – like, they did this last year, but they were also trying to trade Marco Gonzalez at the trade deadline. Apparently, they had a three-team deal set up with the Yankees and Phillies that would have sent Marco to Philadelphia and uh, Gallo Joey Gallo to Seattle. Apparently, they had that lined up. They ended up making it work where Flex and went to the bullpen, but he hardly pitched. He was just mop-up duty. And I think that they would w- want more value out of – they want more value out of all of their reliever spots than just a mop up guy. So I'm not sure if they would actually waste one of those spots on Marco or Flexen, and it would likely be Flexen in this scenario. So maybe it just comes to a point where this gets pushed aside until spring training where they figure out who wins the competition and whoever doesn't ends up getting sent elsewhere that's what I would think right now because they also have some young prospects down in the farm system that are ge- that are either major league ready or they're close to major league ready. Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, those guys are all going to factor in at some point over the course of the next season. So they also might want to open or leave the door open for those guys to get some innings as well. So, you know, one way to to accomplish that is to clear the way and, and trade one of these guys. So, But I think really, again – going back to the value standpoint i know that i'm rambling sorry but um to just go back to the value standpoint like i think that the, you know if they are going to trade one of these guys they're going to have to get something that helps them this year back because that's just more valuable to them than getting the contract off of the books so we will get back to
0: our chat with ty in gonzalez of locked on mariners in just a second talking about some potential o's and m's trades for starting pitching but first This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this December. Now, the World Cup is over. I mean, what a final it was between Argentina and France. Congrats to Argentina. On winning the World Cup on Sunday, but there's still plenty of sports going on. Of course, college football bowl season really gets into the swing of things this week. You got college basketball on every single day. And then, of course, you got the NBA with Christmas Day coming up and the NFL. They're basically owning Christmas Eve and Christmas Day this year. And you can get all the lines, all the odds at Bet Online. Plus, you got the NHL out there and plenty of other action to place some wagers on. And if you love sports podcasts, well, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. And that's the thing with both of them. You know, you mentioned each making, you know, what, 8 and $6 million on a team that's trying to win. So they're not looking to shed that little amount of payroll and they're not looking to flip them probably for prospects. I mean, they're looking to... Mm. I would think a deal like this would be a one-for-one swap potentially for another major leaguer, which would probably help both teams that are trying to compete. So, kind of looking at Flexin, you know, he's the guy who is a free agent after this year, so maybe a little less value with him. I know it was a three-seven-three ERA last year. He threw a just under 140 innings, some out of the bullpen, some in the rotation. It wasn't you know high strikeout numbers. He was more of of kind of an innings eater, even when he was you know starting every fifth day in 2021 that kind of seemed to be his solid role as well. So if it got to the point where, you know, Marco Gonzalez wins that role and and you're looking at at Chris Flexen like or even the other way around, you know, Flexen wins the role and you look at Gonzalez who, you know, I believe it could be signed through 2025 with a club option and you know, he's only making 6 or 7 million each of those years. If it was a one for one deal, like where do the Mariners need that kind of help? the most if they were to flip a starting pitcher for a different kind of, you know, they're not going to get a star major leaguer, but a mid-level major leaguer to help the team.
1: Yeah, so right now they're looking for right-handed corner bats. So both corner infield and corner outfield. Um, So Ramon Urias uh, could be an option. And I was told... About a year year and a half ago that the Mariners did check in with the Orioles about infield options so it's possible that Urias was one of those guys um Anthony Santander and I know that this would not be a one-for-one one type of deal the Mariners would have to definitely include more in their package to acquire someone like Santander but I think he's someone that the Mariners would be uh, very interested in as well uh, especially having that switch headed uh, switch heading, uh uh handedness uh element as well so um those are the two guys that I really look at that I think makes sense for the Mariners and don't necessarily derail the Orioles timeline either. I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, what do you think about those guys? Either one of those guys here? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely both
0: guys that would fit. Another guy that came to mind is Austin Hayes. Now, he, yeah. his value is a little different because I think the Orioles still aren't sure if he is a starter or a fourth outfielder long term. I mean, they were hoping he could be an everyday left fielder. The injury problem wasn't as bad this year, but I mean, it was an all-star first half and then a horrendous second half. So we just don't know what Austin Hayes is, but he still has a lot of control. You know, Santander had a great year, power, middle of the lineup, but defensive versatility is way down. He's mostly a DH at this point who can play a little corner outfield, you know, twice a week, basically. Um, And he's a free agent after 2024. So he's got two years. I think Arias... Is kind of the perfect fit here because something we'll touch on at the end is the Orioles just signed Adam Frazier, who is most likely going to play a good amount of second base for the O's. They've got Gunnar Henderson, who came up, lit the world on fire in September. He's either going to play shortstop or third base, and they have a guy in Jorge Mateo where the bat wasn't there, but he won the Fielding Bible Award at shortstop, so they've got that locked down. And Arias was probably going to be fighting with Frazier four at-bats at second base. The Orioles have another guy in Taron Vavra who plays second and came up for the last two months last year. And the Orioles are littered with infield prospects in the high minors. So the Orioles' plan kind of this offseason was maybe they would go after one of the big four shortstops. They never really did. And then it was going to be, let's sign a mid-level left-handed bat, a.k.a. they just did it, and Adam Frazier, and we'll kind of roll with the internal options. People have already talked about, you know, we're we're recording here just a couple hours after the Adam Frazier signing – that that signing could mean that the O's are ready to trade one of those other kind of infield depth guys to make those guys expendable to get some pitching. So I kind of look at a Ramona as kind of the perfect fit. So here's where I counter Marco Gonzalez and Flexen have different values. Gonzalez mm-hmm. has more years. Um, he's a little bit cheaper as well. Even next year, Gonzalez, I think in the big leagues maybe has a little bit better track record of success between the two guys and you know Flexin a couple years younger, but you can maybe argue Gonzalez could be the the better long-term option. Would you think in terms of return for each of those guys, it would look different for Flexin versus Gonzalez?
1: I think I think their pros and cons end up balancing one another out. and really, their ceilings at the end of the day are low in number fours at this point. Um, at least just in my opinion. I mean, Marco is just a couple of years removed from being really good. Like in the COVID year, he was fantastic. Um, but the last two years, you know, he's a guy that he doesn't have overpowering stuff, so he needs to cherry pick around the corners, and he's just the command just hasn't been there in order for him to do that efficiently and with consistency. Uh just he there's too many times where he just catches too much of the plate and guys just rip the ball off of him. So for that, even over the court, even with having the club control, I don't like. I don't think the club control really matters in this situation, because uh, Marco is owed twelve million dollars next year. It's only six and a half million dollars this year, I believe. Twelve million dollars next year, and then a twelve million dollar club option, something like that. Um, I don't think that's really like something that either a team views as valuable or not so valuable. I think they're just kind of indifferent on that flexing just being a one-year guy is just he's a solid stopgap who a team and a pitching staff might think they can get more out of because his slider last year uh was one of the best pitches in all of baseball most effective pitches in baseball he just didn't throw it a ton so maybe a pitching staff looks at that and thinks you know maybe i can turn this guy into lazy comp but maybe you know they think that like i can turn this guy into the next ross stripling and we get out of him what the Blue Jays got out of stripling, stripling this past year. So, again, yeah, I think the value is just kind of even out here. And it's going to be interesting to see how desperate teams are to still add pitching and to add affordable pitching, considering where the market is at now that we're basically in the mid-tier to bottom of the barrel of that market. So,
0: and And it's interesting on the Orioles side because – it'll be interesting to see how de- desperate they get. You know, you're talking about maybe the Mariners waiting it out for a competition in spring training between if they want to trade one of these guys. Yeah. For the Orioles, some of this is going to be about, you know, what the likes of these kind of AAA level right now infielders look like in spring training as well because they have guys in Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz who have never played in the bigs but are very close. And then they have guys like Jorge Mateo and Arias and Taryn Vavra who have played in the bigs but have not proven themselves yet. And so if you look through all this group and you realize, hey, with the addition of Adam Frazier and with some of our young guys, you know, we just feel there's not going to be an everyday spot for Ramona Rias who won a gold glove at third was above league average as a bat and hits the ball hard. Maybe that's a a trade they could flip. I mean, it seems like if each team is kind of desperate for the other, maybe a March deal that is just a Mm Ramona Rias for Marco Gonzalez. Like, could happen. I feel like that could happen depending on how they mm-hmm. evaluate each of their spring training rosters.
1: How many uh, years of club control does Urias have still?
0: Yeah. So I believe he would be signed through 2025.
1: Okay. So, so that lines up, but there's going to be more money going over to Baltimore, of course. Right.
0: So, you know, for Ramona Rias also, there's still something to be unlocked there as well, mm-hmm. um, which I think less so for Marco Gonzalez. I think we kind right. of know who Marco Gonzalez is at this point as a pitcher. Um, and maybe yep. there's a little bit more to be unlocked with Flexin, a little younger, and you mentioned the slider. The one thing with Arias is – actually, scratch that. He signed through 2026, so he's mm-hmm. e- even further. And the one thing is with Arias, he hits the ball really hard. He's in the top 50 of Major League Baseball in his hard-hit percentage. The issue is his launch angle, and he just beats the mm-hmm. ball into the ground. And every time he hits the ball in the air, he goes on these crazy hot streaks. You look at – I believe it was June – this year for Ramon Arias was just insane. Might have been July. It was just insane because he was lifting the ball finally. He was hitting homers. He was hitting extra base hits. And he doubled his launch angle this year, but it was still ground ball after ground ball. And so there's something to be unlocked there. And he does have, you know, still a lot of control. So, you know, I wonder, it could be the O's offer Arias for whichever of those two pitchers they find more valuable from yep. Seattle for whatever reason, whether it's the years or it's the moldability of flexing versus Gonzalez mm-hmm. kind of being who he is. But in terms of Arias, he's in a weird spot. And that's why I think the Orioles have a chance of trading him, even if it's not with Seattle this offseason, because he has been good, not great. They keep trying to fix that approach and it's getting marginally better, but not better quick enough because the guys behind him have higher ceilings and they're knocking on the door now. So the Orioles are almost kind of backed into a corner of needing to deal him away and when they do they need to get major leaguers and not minor leaguers and so i feel like that kind of lines up here
1: yeah i think that's a that's a good fit here and urias is someone that my co-host colby uh is a big fan of uh he's talked about him for the last year or so uh so we're we're very familiar with urias and considering what jerry depoto has said to the media again you know saying like we we would like a right-handed corner infield bat uh to kind of rotate throughout the infield and and you know through the dh i think urias is a really good fit for the ms and like if i'm baltimore i i don't know it's it's weird because like what what are your guys feelings on on what your like ceiling is this year Wild card, like, is that it? Because, like, I saw the stuff that, that they were saying about spending and all. Like, I saw some quotes that didn't seem that that great, you know. So, I yeah. like, where are the Orioles right now? They're not going
0: to spend. They've shown it so far with not going and get starting pitching. They needed starting pitching, and they've right. added Kyle Gibson on a one-year $10 million deal. Um, mm-hmm. They needed a left-handed bat. They added Adam Frazier on a one-year $8 million deal so far. So, I think they're going to make a couple of trades because of just the amount of prospect depth that they have, a top-five system in baseball right now. They have a good young core coming together and a team that won 83 games, but I do think the ceiling is a wild card. Like they're not going to win a division, especially being in the AL East right now. I mean, if the Red Sox get it together, you could potentially have five teams competing for the playoffs going into the year, which you can't say about a lot of divisions in Major League Baseball right now. So I think that hinders their ceiling. And the fact that they're not going to spend and add as much, you know, I wouldn't be surprised they won 83 games again just because of the spot that they're in. So they're trying to win now, but kind of gingerly trying to win now.
1: So then going off of that, I think, I mean, it really depends on on how they feel about Flexen, right? Do they feel that they can get more out of Flexen and at the very least be able to flip him at the deadline as a rental and get something nice for him in return? Or if, you know, if it's really just like they they view them both as as the same, maybe it is Marco, but that is going to be, you know, $12 million, if, if Marco has the year that he's had the last two years, that's a very expensive, low-end number five. Yeah. Like, and then- that's just what it is. Like, all due respect to Marco, but that's what he's been in the last couple of years. So that's also the risk that the Orioles would have to assume here. And that's why I think that probably if if the Orioles do want Marco Gonzalez and the Mariners want Ramon Urias out of this, the Mariners are probably going to have to include something else yeah, along and, with Marco. And,
0: and I could also see, even if it's flexing on the other side too, the Orioles saying just as some insurance for if his one year is good or on the Gonzalez side, like if he's just who he is just for some yeah. insurance, Michael Elias dips into that Seattle system and, and gets him to add a player. But ma- maybe that makes a deal here.
1: I I don't think the Mariners are adverse to taking on some of the money here as well. Uh, I think they would take on some of the money for Marco. There were some talk about, or there was some talk about them potentially taking on some of the money had they traded him to Philly. So that maybe levels things out a little bit. But I, I, I just I don't know if I can see a one for one swap here with either of these pitchers. Just for Ramon Urias, though, so I don't think it would take a ton from Seattle either to chip in and, and finish that thing off. Yeah. But I think as
0: we've talked, it could be about, you know, waiting three months from now until yeah. these teams kind of yeah. figure out their rosters a little bit more, but Ty, before, you know, we finish up, obviously the Orioles just before recording this, they signed Adam Frazier who spent the last year and a half in Seattle. And while he was definitely productive with Pittsburgh and somewhat with Seattle last year, he was arguably not that this year in 2022. And, You know, it was kind of surprising from the outside to see him still in the postseason lineup, you know, in that series against Houston. But I guess he was still one of the better options, at least to have in there with the experience. The O's bring him in. It's obviously a one year deal. It's not a lot of risk. It's eight million dollars. You know, he may not even play every day if his bat doesn't come back to where it was in Pittsburgh. But Mm -hmm. just kind of as we finish your general thoughts as someone who watched him every day for the last year and a half and what. Adam Frazier is at this point in his career.
1: There's a reason Colton Wong is going to be the starting second baseman for the Seattle Mariners in 2023. So I'll just say that the, the the thing about Frazier really is that he, his offense, just, he just couldn't really get it going at the plate. Uh, He had one hot month in the middle of the season around the time when they had the 14 game win streak. And that was about it. He also has one of the greatest hits in Mariners history for the uh, go-ahead double in the comeback game against the uh, against the Blue Jays in the uh, in the wildcard round. So there's that, but that's about it. His defense also took a significant hit, which Adam Frazier before this season was known as basically an elite defender at second base and a solid enough glove in a corner outfield spot as well. And the corner outfield stuff was fine more so towards the start of the season. He, he was getting uh, starts out there, uh, particularly in right field. And he was able to hold his own and he should be able to hold his own at Camden as well, if they need him to do that. Uh, but the second base defense took a pretty substantial dip for the most part. I think he still favored fairly well and outs above average. I haven't checked in a while, uh, but Eye test wise, he just wasn't the same guy. He wasn't covering the same amount of ground. He was making some silly errors, stuff like that. Um, So the key there is, especially now with the shift ban, or at least the ban of more than two, you know, fielders on each side of the bag that's going to be interesting to see on if he continues to regress or if he's able to figure some stuff out here. And I don't know if he was dealing with anything during the season or what have you, but the defense just wasn't there. Um, but by all accounts, um, he seems like a great clubhouse guy. So, um, and he, uh, <laughs> we, uh, because he's a slap hitter, we, uh, we call him the Slapton. So you guys better take good care of the Slapton and uh, God Godspeed Slapton. Thank you yeah, for your hope, service. <laughs> the hope
0: is he looks like the hitter he did in Pittsburgh in the first half of the year in 2021. I have my doubts and I, it seems like you do too, that that will happen, but uh, he is in an Orioles uniform and uh, Hey, maybe another former Mariner could be in an O's uniform. Again, we know Jerry DePoto loves to make trades. He's made them with the Orioles before. And uh, we'll see if he does it again. But Ty, thank you so much for joining us for a little, uh, little O's, M's crossover here because uh, each team has a need. Each team's trying to go to the playoffs and we'll see if they uh, maybe pull off a deal here at some point this offseason.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Connor.
0: So our thanks again to Ty Dane Gonzalez, the host of Locked On Mariners here on the Locked On Podcast Network for joining us to talk about Potential trades the Orioles could make with the Mariners, whether it be for Marco Gonzalez or Chris Flexen. And it really was an interesting conversation with Ty because at the beginning of the off season, it felt like the Mariners were going to fairly quickly trade one of those guys because neither of them were really pitching incredibly well, but still had value and certainly are big league pitchers. But they just couldn't really fit them into the rotation. And the Mariners thought, hey, we're going to add, if not one, maybe two starting pitchers. But we've gotten to this point here in mid-December and the Mariners kind of operated like the Orioles, where they certainly added to their offense. They got to Hernandez, and they picked up Colton Wong, but they didn't really add to the rotation like they wanted to, and so now they realize they're going to need at least one of Flexen or Gonzalez. And the funny part is... If the Mariners don't add anyone else, they could end up keeping both guys because I could see like Gonzalez becoming the five starter and then Flexen staying in kind of that bullpen swingman role. And, you know, if anybody gets hurt, Flexen fills in in that fifth spot in the rotation. Now, it's still possible they could trade them. And Ty talked about how, you know, they might wait until spring training, kind of see who wins the five spot, maybe try to deal the other one. But what they're looking for is Major League help. They're not looking for prospects from the Orioles system. They're looking for a guy who, yeah, is a little younger, maybe not super proven, but can help their offense. That's why we kind of settled on Ramon Arias probably being the guy. You know, they needed corner players infield and outfield. Well, Arias just won the gold glove at third base. He's an above league average hitter, and he can certainly get better at the plate if he improves that launch angle. So maybe that's the deal to be made. You know, and if it is a guy like Arias for, you know, Flexen or Gonzalez one for one, and they talked about, you know, maybe the Mariners would have to throw in a prospect or two also to get that deal done, which, you know, certainly doesn't bother me at all or anyone on the Orioles side, but I think it's a trade partner. Maybe not the best trade partner because I think the Orioles would like a little more upside than Gonzalez or Flexen, especially Gonzalez. You kind of know what he is. He's a soft tossing lefty who has struggled a little bit lately, but has had a good career. Flexin, you can, I think, bring more out of, maybe a higher upside, but he could also be bad. And again, neither of those guys are better than your fourth starter, probably. So the Euros will probably aim a little higher, you would think, if there's a trade, but if they can't get those done, they could always run to the Mariners, you know, come March and make a deal like that. And hope you like that episode. We're going to have more like it here throughout the offseason in the next couple of weeks on this Orioles trade target series. Specifically, again, looking at starting pitchers around the league that could be available via trade and uh, how the Orioles could potentially go get those guys to supplement this starting rotation. But as I did mention last week, last week was the final week of the off season of five podcasts per week. So starting this week, we are down to three episodes a week. The schedule right now, you should expect an episode obviously today, and then Wednesday and Thursday, of this week you should expect an episode obviously I'll let you know here on the pod if those things do change and of course if there's any breaking Orioles news later today there will be a podcast in your ears on Tuesday morning if the O's you know do go make a trade or you know if they do sign Michael Waka or Rich Hill a couple of starting pitchers who they have been connected to over the past week but until we return I'm Connor Newcomb and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day